Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 49th day of this rapidly unfolding year. Fortunately, 360 days are still in the store for us in 2019. With spring only four and a half weeks away, thoughts of a greening landscape are occurring to more than just a few of us. For the moment, though, more than a foot of snow from last week's storm covers much of our world in down east Maine, giving the earth hereabouts a heavy white accent. Heavenward this morning, Venus and Saturn are just one degree apart. And tomorrow morning at 10.55, we'll have, appropriately, the full snow moon, also known as the full hunger moon. Among famous birthdays today is that of Nicholas Copernicus, the Renaissance-era mathematician and astronomer who in 1514 distributed a handwritten book to his friends. In it, he had formulated a model of the universe that placed the sun, rather than the earth, at the center of the universe. Other birthdays today include those of Jack Palance in 1920, George Kennedy in 1925, Yoko Ono in 1933, Sybil Shepherd in 1950, Juice Newton in 1952, John Travolta in 1954, Vanna White in 1957, Matt Dillon in 1964, and Molly Ringwald in 1968. Today, 78 years ago, jazz musician and composer Duke Ellington first recorded Take the A-Train. Ellington also graced us with the adage, Every man prays in his own language. Today, in 399 BC, the Greek philosopher Socrates was sentenced to death by the city of Athens for allegedly corrupting the minds of the youth of the city and for impiety. Socrates' student, Plato, presents this dark moment of Greek history in The Apology, which records Socrates' defense at the trial. In fact, Socrates himself left no writings, so we have Plato's works as being the best representation of the historical society, uh, Socrates. To be sure, Plato is considerably dismayed by the inequities of the Athenian tyranny that included the execution of his teacher under the democracy, and therefore wanted to provide Western civilization with as much accuracy as possible about Socrates and the milieu that undid him. So Plato turned toward philosophy in search of an alternative to the unstable and unjust public life of the time. He also sought unity behind the changing impressions of the visible universe. Fast forward almost two and a half millennia to 2001, when the journal Nature publishes the first draft of the complete human genome. As many of us are becoming aware, a genome is an organism's complete set of DNA, including all of its genes. Each genome contains all of the information needed to build and maintain that organism. In humans, a copy of the entire or complete genome, composed of more than 3 billion DNA-based pairs, is contained in all cells that have a nucleus. This goes a long way in helping to explain why we have so many different examples of us Homo sapiens. We may all be the same species, but we are exceptionally diverse, collectively, in our representation of that species. 
Sometimes that diversity narrows itself into large opposing camps, such as the sort we might detect in an overview of our United States the past few years. Indeed, perhaps the time has come for us to start taking some lessons from English historian Edward Gibbons's late 18th century masterpiece, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, as we seem to be well on our way toward at least outlining the start of a 21st century rendition to be titled The History of the Decline and Fall of the United States Empire. Fifty-two years ago, Bob Dylan, trying, as he said at the time, not to use too many words, recorded his eighth studio album, titled John Wesley Harding. The album title was a play on the name John Wesley Hardin, an Old West outlaw and gunslinger from Texas, who by various accounts killed between 30 and 40 men, the first one when Hardin was only 15 years old. In an exercise of revisionist history, Dylan transformed the killer John Wesley Hardin into the good soul character John Wesley Harding, who almost Robin Hood-like was, in the opening line to Dylan's song, a friend to the poor, never known to hurt an honest man, for he was always known to lend a helping hand. Speaking of guns and such, we find a not entirely dissimilar instance lately in the relatively new president of the National Rifle Association, familiar to many of us as the NRA, now headed by no less a notorious individual as Oliver North, whom we heard frequently referred to 30 years ago in news coverage as Ali North, a key figure in the Iran-Contra scandal. Another figure from that scandal has also recently surfaced, Elliot Abrams. He has been reintroduced to the fore by President Trump, who apparently believes Abrams will be helpful in whatever messes we Americans want to create in Venezuela, under the guise, per usual, of showing people in foreign countries how to live their lives. Echoing in the back chambers of my auditory memory archives is a line Arlo Guthrie delivers in his epic tune, Alice's Restaurant. He's recounting his experience with various representatives of the federal government, who have stationed Guthrie on the Group W bench and then inquired, Son, have you rehabilitated yourself? We need Arlo, or a similar historically inclined individual, to step forward in our hour of need and to pose that same question to the likes of the dark past who are gunning for power in these dim days of our republic. That simple query... Son, have you rehabilitated yourself? Should achieve a unity among us such as we have not seen in a while. Of course, the audition might also go, Ma'am, have you rehabilitated yourself? Should an appropriate reprobate of the female persuasion present herself for candidacy in this 21st century era of reinvention? I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. For more Maine, here's to a great day.